0: Hello, everybody. It's Betsy, and here's what's in the Pop and Collars feed for the month of October 2020. We channel our inner Cecil B. DeMille on this month's Pop and Collars, where we discuss Hollywood biblical epics. And speaking of biblical epics, the person who literally wrote the book on them, Richard Lindsay, returns on this month's take two. Greg and I are in the home stretch of our 1989 movie, Rewatch. This month's Going on 30 spotlights the directorial debut of Steven Soderbergh with his Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Finally, on The Sacred Six, Shane and Greg ponder the nature of war and hatred as they review the Star Trek episode, The Day of the Dove. Thanks again for listening, and keep those collars popped! Previously on Popping Collars... Welcome to Take Two, where we give a former guest of Popping Collars the chance to come back and update their view on a piece of pop culture. I am your host. My name is Greg Knight, and this month, my returning guest is the godfather of Popping Collars. That's like my favorite running gag on the show. I love it. The godfather of Popping Collars, Richard Lindsay. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Thank you. And as a running gag, it never gets old. I am going to set you up. It was our 20th episode of the podcast. The date was June 26th, 2015. And the subject was Bible Epics. When we recorded that episode, your book, titled Hollywood Biblical Epics, Camp Spectacle and Queer Style from the Silent Era to the Modern Day, was just about to be released. Five years later, there's been a remake of Ben-Hur a movie about Samson, Last Days in the Desert, starring Ewan McGregor, a movie we reviewed on our podcast, and a host of others. Richard, the floor is yours. What is your take two on biblical epics, knowing what we know now? Academic book sales
1: are not the lucrative opportunity that they made <laughs> it out to be. So in terms of biblical epics, I would say that you know the ones I saw were Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that, that had maybe come out just before. I think like just before we recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did see Exodus gods and Kings. Um, I have not seen any of the other ones you talked about. (laughs) Um, I guess I would just say that, you know, Hollywood loves two things. They love box office and they love special effects. Mm -hmm. And so what tends to happen is if somebody proves you can make money with a particular genre of film, then they make a lot of them and some of them don't make as much money as the first one. Mm -hmm. And then also what tends to happen is when you have leaps and special effects, Hollywood tends to go back and remake films that they made before. um, But with the new special effects that they have. Right. So in the case of biblical epics in 2004, they made a lot of money off of, of passion of the Christ uh, and so everybody said, now this is the new thing. We've got this whole niche audience, which is going to be faith-based films. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of faith-based films that were made, and most of them didn't do anything near what Passion of the Christ did. The One of the exceptions was actually Darren Aronofsky's Noah, mm-hmm. which is so far, I think, still his most successful film in terms of box office. It made like $300 million or something like that. So that was really successful. You, know, you don't have to buy the rights to the story yeah um so um that's always been a big thing for for these hollywood films traditionally it's been a way that you could get sex and violence into films uh so so that's a way of like you know i mean some some would even say that with the with the hollywood production code and with a kind of the death of the production code in the late 1960s that was also the death of the theater released biblical epic because they didn't need it anymore to get sex and violence into the films when you have, you know, like if you look at something like Ben Hur, Mm -hmm. which has had three remakes now from Hollywood, um, the, the very first one was in the experimental phase of cinema. And it was like, almost like a short, like a little 15 minute long film uh, where they held a chariot race on like Manhattan beach uh, with fire, firefighters and pulling chariots with their teams of horses. Oh my gosh. And then, uh, and then, in uh 19, the 1920s you had another one that was massive I mean it was just the biggest the most expensive film that had been made up to that point yeah. people died making it I mean it was just the you know the classic like over the top biblical epic yeah uh, and then 1959 1960 you had the you know the one with with Charlton Heston and then now it's been remade with um, Joseph Fiennes. Mm-hmm. so it's like you know they they revisited it each time as you as you increased the technology, you know, by the 1920s, you really had, you really had uh, silent film wasn't at the apex. They knew how to make, you know, special effects with silent films. They knew how to, they knew how to, you know, a lot of the filmic language was in place mm-hmm. by that point. Uh, and then of course, by 19, you know, 1960, you've got, you've got the big technicolor widescreen formats, you know, the Cinerama or the Cinemascope or the 70 millimeter, And so they wanted to try that out. And so then you get to today and you've got CGI. And so they want to make use of the CGI as much as possible. Um, And so they'll go back and say, well, heck, you know, let's just do a little epic and see, see if we can throw in a bunch of CGI and make it work.
0: You know, you mentioned something sort of on the heels of the passion of the Christ. And I think that's still the top grossing international R rated movie of all time or top grossing domestic r-rated movie i don't know there's some weird something back and forth that it has with deadpool i guess but on the heels of that i think you're totally right like what we've seen lately and if you pull up netflix now i think they have like all four gospels it's like the gospel of mark gospel of matthew and they're all in that style of like that gospel of john film that came out that was kind of like a big Hit, but very like pure flicks kind of niche. You know, it's like it's it's aiming for a very like Mark Burnett like kind of crowd, and it makes me wonder if like it's just not a topic that's appealing to people, or maybe it's just kind of out of fashion. Like it was something that you could do spectacle with, but now we have superhero films to do spectacle with. I helped contribute to your bottom line, so hopefully, (laughs) 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 I can't buy it. (laughs) can't buy a hundred books but i bought one (laughs) i selfishly used your book for a class that i taught at my parish where we were looking at like biblical epics and i was just kind of talking about um what we kind of talked about on our first episode where like the visual can overwhelm your sense of scripture
1: god has set before you this day his laws of life and good and death and evil those who will not live by the law <laughs> shall die by the law.
0: Um, but we did four movies. We looked at uh, DeMille's King of Kings, the silent 27 yes. uh, version. One of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, man, it's great. And, and you're totally right about the way that that movie starts off with Mary Magdalene. It's, it's wonderful. I didn't even know quite what I was watching ever, <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the DeMille King of Kings, The Ten Commandments, um, just because that's kind of like a prerequisite. And then I followed that up with Godspell and Passion wow. of the Christ. I think that what folks kind of took away is just kind of the diversity that's available in the genre. So if you had one more chapter left to do for your book, what do you think you would write about where we are now with biblical epics or maybe even what the future could possibly hold for this? I think, I think that I would say that
1: the, what what kind of amazes me is the, is the overall resilience of the genre and Mm. the fact that it, that it just kind of keeps coming back and, and, and that every once in a while somebody scores a hit with it. Yeah. Um, we're talking, you know, this goes back to the very beginning of film, um, to the, the earliest experimental days with cinema. I mean, sometimes, you know, you could say that the country seems to get more secular. I mean, you look at the younger generation and they're, and they're you know, seem to be fleeing all, all instances <laughs> of religion, institutions of religion, right. uh, wherever they can. Um, maybe it won't be as resilient in the future because maybe they don't have that background. Hmm. Uh, they didn't grow up watching the 10 commandments or whatever, or they didn't grow up listening to stories about Moses or Noah or whatever. But it seems to be a pretty, it seems to be an evergreen genre that every once in a while pops up. Somebody figures out to take how to do a new take on it and it ends up being a hit.
0: Yeah. Well, you know that, that Jesus Christ superstar that John legend did was, I mean, that was was wildly popular. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I believe it's called son
1: of man. Which was made in South Africa, and it's told it's the Jesus story is told as a kind of an african fable mm-hmm. and the the but it's told very much in the modern day where where Jesus is sort of he's not crucified he's sort of disappeared
0: oh, okay. by
1: uh by um the, so it's like the the government just kind of goes and takes him and he's killed and kind of buried in an unmarked grave. Wow. And, and that it's actually Mary who becomes the hero of that story because she's the one who like lifts him up, basically takes his body out of the grave, puts it up on a cross and says, you know, this is what you did to my son,
0: man. Uh, Wow. So there's still stuff you can do with it. Richard, thank you so much for coming back on and talking biblical epics again. I know that you wrote your book and you thought you were done, but here we, here we are. (laughs) pulling you back into this world. So thank you so much. I think you're probably in a different place from the last time that we talked to you. So update our audience, where you are now and what you're up to. I am teaching. Um, it's great to be back in the Bay Area. I've been teaching
1: courses at Graduate Theological Union, uh, have gotten developed a course on comic book, science fiction and fantasy, which I've taught twice now, which has gone fantastic. I sort of resurrected a course that had been taught by my uh advisor father michael morris um who passed away a couple of years ago and it, it was uh where we would actually go and see films that were in the theaters so you sort of go during award season mm-hmm. and so you're having these kind of theological discussions about like the favorite and <laughs> these really crazy films that are out at that time uh we finished up the season or we finished up that class with hail satan the uh the yes. documentary about yes this kind
0: of i saw of, that movie that was great yeah
1: and so that was like one of the most fun courses I've ever done. I want that to be my day job. Yeah. Uh, is to be teaching those courses, to be doing. Um, there's so much great stuff going on at GTU around interfaith stuff right now, and uh, I have found the key to interfaith dialogue, and it is popular culture. <laughs> that's
0: true. So, it's our common language. That's, it is. It's that's our common we, language. It's what we yeah. say on the show all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Richard, thank you once again for coming back on. Keep those colors popped. We'll see you next time.